Hello everyone, welcome to the Mortgage Show podcast. My name is Monty and I'm your host of the show that investigates and discusses the latest news and views in the UK mortgage market and general financial world, all delivered in a down-to-earth, challenging and sometimes even witty way. This week, we're talking about a subject which, apart from being very important to all of us in the mortgage market, is something that can be very emotive and has caused issues and hardship for many people over the last few years since the credit crisis. Mortgage prisoner is a relatively new term that really has caused much debate and has now reached the levels of government and the FCA. Is this simply part of the unintended consequences of a change in regulation to try to make sure we don't repeat mistakes of the past? Or was it actually an accident waiting to happen because of consumers borrowing above their means, dodgy advisors and lenders who didn't really care what they were doing? Personally, I have some pretty firm views on this, but rather than pontificate, I thought who better than to speak to about this subject than a representative of those effective. To this end, I'm delighted to have in the studio with me Rachel Neal from UK Mortgage Prisoners. Welcome, Rachel. Hi. Thank you very much for coming down from Leicester, I believe. Yeah, thanks very much for having us. There you go. Cheers. Um, Rachel's sitting very comfortably on a nice sofa here, so... uh, there you go. Hopefully, uh, there, there is a lot to talk about. We'll try our best to squeeze in as much as possible in the next uh, 20 or 30 minutes or so. But first of all, why don't you tell me a bit about how did how did the group come about? How did you start it? What got you involved in it in the first instance? So, um, I, uh, well, was was quite unwell and, and recovering from a long ongoing illness mm. um and in that it it led me many hours at home and we'd got uh, the mortgage issue of the mortgage now mortgage yeah. business problem yeah. um and then obviously panorama came along and asked us to um be a part of their program they were investigating right. all these problems i was starting to become a, a weller um so once we'd we'd done panorama I was told that there was a Facebook group. On the Facebook group at the time, there was only about 40 people. Mm. Um, and and from, that was a mortgage prisoners that Facebook was a group? UK mortgage right. prisoners Facebook group, yeah. And um, from there on, basically, I just I just started campaigning because we'd the day after the, the Panorama programme, it was talked about within um, Parliament. Mm. Um, and then we felt that that was sort of a crest of a wave that we could start... Um, and and the more it became sort of out there and and on the open airwaves, we just see more and more people joining Facebook. Yeah. Um, we're now up to just over two thousand people. Right. Wow. Um, with continual contact all the time with mm. with asking questions. Um, so that's how it actually begun, and that was well, Panorama went out October two thousand and eighteen. So mm. from then to now, um, so it's, it's pretty quick very, growth, isn't it? Yes. It, it is, and then so what? So what's your so mortgage prisoner is a term that's banded around now quite a bit. Yeah. What's how do you define it? How do you and your group define it? Are there all lots of different people, or is it? There's lots of different sorts of mortgage prisoners. Um, we we're defined in the way that we are completely trapped where we are with our mortgages. We can't change due to many reasons, affordability. Mm. We're told that we can't afford to pay less, so people don't pass the affordability. So if they're paying 1300 a month but they want to drop <coughs> down to a lower rate, yeah. um, 
of 600 a month, they're told they can't afford mm. it. And um, we've got people that are sat on interest only from a decade of go- a decade mm. ago that were told that this was the right um, mortgage to have, but has then been sold on many times from the credit crunch yeah. and from being a Northern Rock customer. Mm. Um, you know, we've got people sat in high interest um, that, like I say, don't, can't move because of the affordability. Um, and we've also got people at retirement age where if they're on interest only, they again, they can't move mortgages, but their term is coming to the end of the yeah, 25 so years. Got, yeah. So there yeah. are there are different types of people. So it's very interesting because as a broker, you, you hear these stories and you think, well, why can't, why can't they move? They're, they're, surely there must be something there. Yeah. Um, but. The more I've investigated it, the more you're actually looking into it and thinking, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, yeah. It is very difficult. And especially when you hear things, I know the FCA are looking at changing things now and we'll come on to that. But when you hear things like I'm paying £1,300 a month and actually if I could move it, I'd only pay £600 a month. Yeah. And they're telling me I can't afford that. Yeah. When you've never missed a payment, et cetera, et cetera, on a higher level. It's uh, just uh, crazy. It is crazy. And even Andrew Bailey said in um, an interview before that it's absolutely bonkers because that if they can't afford to pay 600 a month, what they're being asked to move to, then they realistically, what they're mm. saying is you can't afford what you're actually on now. Um and the realisation for me was that I was sat one day trying to work out how I was going to, um, we needed to move property because I'd got this illness with a lot of medical equipment at mm. home. I'd got two growing boys that were sharing a bedroom. And I thought, how am I going to get another property? Um, and because we'd been sold on to these inactive companies that yeah. that no longer have um, any lending licences where we were with Northern Rock, we were then sold on without knowledge, without um, being notified, only after it actually happened. Um, you then phone these companies up, and mine's with Landmark, but you phone them up and you say to them, um, we need we need a new mortgage, we need to buy another property, and they say, no, you can't do it, mm. you're on interest only, and you don't pass the affordability to even move on to a repayment, let alone anything else. Mm. Um Landmark at the top, well, still have ruined our credit file because of the way that their payments are uh, structured. Right. So we were told that if we paid before the 14th of the month, then that payment would go to the previous month. If we paid after the 14th of the month, it would go to that month. Therefore, we always look like we'd either overpaid or underpaid. Yeah. So they wrecked our credit file for seven years. We couldn't even move into a rental. So we're completely trapped. Mm. And that is very similar to a lot of other stories. Um, they sort of mm. wake up with this realisation, I can't do anything, I can't move. So have you, have you got a high loan to value on your on your mortgage? Is Because some people well, flippantly say, why don't you sell and, and rent then? Because if we sell, we can't rent because our credit file's been wrecked by right, the mortgage company. So you, even if you go into a rental, you still have to have credit checks. Mm. So even the rental market is... And, and, and actually, what we pay for our mortgage is relatively small to what rentals are asking us to pay yeah. for a very similar yeah, property. Right. Yeah. Um, so then my argument was, is well, why don't I pass the affordability test if you're saying that I should go into a rental and sell my property? Um, and, you know, I've got quite... Now, I've got quite good... Uh, a good loan to value. My property was bought at one hundred thirty-two thousand. It's now worth one hundred seventy thousand. Mm. But 
Um, it's not. It's on interest only. So whatever happens in nine years, it's going to have to be sold. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what's left. Um, and we've tried numerous times to move on to a repayment yeah. or another mortgage altogether. And most of most of your group, they they've all obviously tried. They've spoken to brokers, but to no avail, and yeah, etc. Most brokers, um, they all get the same answer. There are trickles of people that get through, mm. um, but you know, there's this misconception that. Um, that we're bad payers or there's a lot of people in arrears. Um, well, we're not. 90% of Northern Rock books that were sold were were acting well, um, but yet we were sold on to these companies. They weren't even banks. They're effectively debt collectors. Um, they're, they're just administrated. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah. They've got no lending licence. So when we come to blame, that, that there's, um, there's sort of... I don't know. I look at both sides of it. I think the government are to blame because they've not put enough protections for people mm. when they sold these books on. The only protection that they gave us was that the interest rate was not allowed to rise for 12 months. Right. Even okay. though people's mortgages were over 25 years. Um, and the interest rate was continuously dropping, but yet our interest rate was continuously rising. Um and then the other half of that, you've got the um, brokers that give out the advice mm. to people. Um, so it's quite complex in terms of who's to blame. Um, I, I agree. Yeah, obviously there were unscrupulous brokers. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, since the credit crisis, the amount of brokers has gone from something like 34,000 to 12,000 or something. So a lot of cowboys yeah. that have left the it's industry. Gone. Yeah. Um, Lenders as well. They yeah. chased, I was there at the time, they chased volume rather than actually doing due diligence. Yes. Where I get a bit, where I have arguments with people is around Northern Rock, actually. Yeah. Because Northern Rock, from memory, were actually quite a, I know people will laugh listening to this, but they were actually quite a studious lender. I remember mm. their underwriting was tougher than others. Yes, they lent 130%. Uh, there was a reason why they did that, in in their opinion, for adding on a personal loan to a, to a 95% mortgage, the yeah. Together Mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but actually, their underwriting wasn't that... was was actually quite, quite tough compared to a lot of the other non-status, just all the liar loans that that they've been called since then. Yeah, and and again, there there is a misconception where um a lot of mortgage prisoners are concerned. We've been we've had it on Twitter before and we you know, we've had it in the press before that a lot of people are to blame because they took out these self-cert mortgages and things like that. But it it wasn't even that. The majority of people that are have come through as mortgage prisoners are from Northern Rock. Mm. And a lot of them um are together mortgage um we were together mortgages um and but at the time we were told by our broker that that was one of the best products on the market um and for example we've got i know somebody in the group that basically she was told she'd got a deposit in the bank um she said that she wanted a repayment mortgage Mm -hmm. She was then told not to have a repayment mortgage, to have an interest-only mortgage because she would probably sell the property in about a year's time and to keep her deposit in the bank because the bank would pay it. Now, she didn't need to do all that. Um, She also wasn't told um, that she was going to be taking out 103% 
mortgage. Um, now, yes, you know, you can say, well, why, why, why didn't she ask the question? She did ask the questions, but she was advised that all these, these mm. um, worries were of no consequence. Um, you know, it wasn't until she actually obtained her SAR um, through the lender that she looked, and the lender wasn't even made aware that she had um, a deposit to put down. So they weren't even asked, well, would you like to put a deposit mm. down? So you're entrusting yourself into a broker that mm. is your go-between between you and a lender. And unfortunately, or fortunately, you go to these people because they are they are professionals in what they do. Yeah. And, you know, like when you go to doctors or anybody else, mm. you believe what they say because they're experts. And that is the problem along with what the government then did. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I feel I should apologise in behalf of oh, the brokers. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, I mean, it's, it's frustrating it's... for us because yeah. especially those of us that were around at the time yeah. and could, some of us were more, more um, talked about uh, quite vehemently to, to lenders about actually you should be doing this, should be doing that. And and you could see some of the dodgy things that were going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite frustrating that, that actually, you know, most brokers, you know, we pride ourselves on actually we do a great job. We do take it seriously. We do advise you. We have to advise you. Otherwise, if we, it's not just transactional. No. And I think that's, of the time, it became, for a period of time, it became transactional. It was just, I don't really care, let's just let's just do that. Chase the higher procuration fees. Uh, let's not really give advice. And lenders didn't care because they just wanted volume. And yeah. to a certain small part of the broker population, as in any industry, there were some bad apples. Um, yeah, and 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 unfortunately, combined with um, the products that were out there at the time, remember these are historical times as well because mm. we're going back over a decade. Yeah. So what's out? What was out on the market then? The quality, probably, of brokerage, like you've said, that was out on the market that was around then is it is totally different to now. Mm. Um, but the problem is, is that when we all took out these mortgages. Um, you know, we we didn't foresee that there was going to be a crash. We couldn't foresee that there was going to be mm. a crash. Um, but Northern Rock, they were lending, you know, vast amounts to people. Um, but but not only that, like like I've stated before, the government have not helped the situation mm. at all by their irresponsibility to what they've then gone on <coughs> to do by. Um, not putting in proper protections, but also not selling to back to the mm. high street. You know, there needs to be um, there needs to be a fairer way to treat mm. customers. Even once these companies have obtained us and got mm. bought these books, that doesn't mean that they can just continuously rip us off for the next however mm. long our mortgage. There should be a fairer way of treating mm. us. You know. And, and that should have been put in place as a protection mm. from the government. So I agree with that. I, I do understand some of the arguments that the government spent a lot of taxpayers' money bailing out uh, banks and et cetera, and they needed a return, and the best return was from these these unregulated companies. Um, but the problem is you're then treating people as commodities, yeah. and I don't think that's that's right or fair, and actually they should have looked at it 
and actually thought thought this through what are the consequences of this well yeah and in in many respects there are reports out there that when the sale of northern rock has actually been looked at and um, there's been a lot of criticism around the fact that um they based all their decisions on the interest rate always going up but never coming down um, and this has been debated in the House of Lords a number mm. of times. And even Lords have been saying that they cannot believe that somebody would, of that sort of stature in the Treasury, would then look at it and go, oh, well, they won't go down, they'll only ever go up. They didn't put that protection in there mm. for it. Um, and that's that's been a major issue. Mm. So, yeah, it's interesting. Some of the other comments are actually in... In in the old days, it, it was a bit more, actually, the variable rate was a variable rate and actually you had an introductory offer for, for two or three or five years. And then a lot of people would expect that actually, if you follow the words of the contract, mm -hmm. you have your introductory offer and then you're on the variable rate, yeah. which can go either up and down, it's usually a lot higher. Yeah. And then the whole remortgage world came in, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so some people do say, and I've seen some comments on Twitter around, well, actually, you knew what you were getting into. You had the introductory rate and then you're on the variable rate and that's your contract. And actually, so what right do you have? I disagree with this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but then what right do you have to actually go on to a cheaper mortgage, which because the law has changed by that definition, you can't afford no, and the problem is with that is that when we all signed up to our mortgage, um, we signed up to a high street lender. Mm. Um, and then 90% of us ended up with inactive lenders where, yeah. we, we, where we couldn't um, ask. We've asked for an, a number of times if we can have our rate dropped. The, one of the most frustrating parts about all this is is that when Northern Rock was sold on and when Cerberus bought this book out, like you say, the government sold to somebody that they could get far higher um, amount for us. But then, you know, it's not it's it's not talked about at the fact that then Cerberus went then on the same day that they bought us to sell a chunk of those books to a high street yeah. lender like TSB. Now that a contract isn't sorted out in an afternoon mm. when they bought it, so that was all pre-done. So. Another argument is is that the government did have options because there were high street lenders mm. that were happy to buy us. And um, you know, I think that they should have they should have done more there. But also, like you say, when we when we actually took out our mortgage, we were with high street lenders. So yes, maybe we should have expected to stay on a, a variable rate, but we we were then bought on and sold on. Yeah. Um and we didn't have any choice. In, in anything that we we were doing yeah. there, I think that's a fair point. Actually, if you uh, for those who were were lucky enough to stay with a a mainstream lender, one that's still trading, actually now the vast majority of lenders are very good mm. at providing yeah. um, retention products. So even if you're interest only, you've got high loan to value. If you're staying with a lender, mm -hmm. then Halifax is a great example. They yeah. they'll do good decent retention rates and and we've worked very for the last year i've been having conversation after conversation with um the tsb the arm of whistletree um because obviously the other side of all this is is that you've got these high street lenders that then set up 
separate entities of arms of mm. companies to then buy all these books up with a higher interest, even though we're under this um, umbrella of a high street lender, but we're not allowed the same um, terms or the same interest mm. rate. So, um, you know, you've got lots of Whistletree. Now, Whistletree have come out now after many months of talking and asking them that they need to treat their customers fairly as they do their TSB. Um, and they are now starting to help their, their Whistletree customers. They're mm. starting to change the rate and offer them a better rate. And we've had some absolutely fantastic um, stories on Facebook the last few weeks alone to show that some people have had a three to £400 a month reduction. Yeah, that's really good. Um, all because it's, you know, we're banging the drum so mm. loud that it's the fairness that we can't stomach. Yeah. That's so do, do you have a sense of what the average mortgage loan is with within within your group well we've talked about this and we have tried we've tried to do surveys and different things um but we think sort of it's anything which is quite a big spectrum but we think anything between about 109 something like that to about 180,000 mm. um and that's fluctuates slightly as well on interest only and repayment mm. um i mean repayment i think it was up to uh, 210 I might have mm. that the wrong way around but um you know they're not massive ridiculous amounts of money you know they're the, they are but they're the not average, insignificant they're, no, no. They're, they're, and they're not excessive it isn't like somebody said um you know like a lot of people have said on Twitter well, you over borrowed you know I don't think 102,000 even up to 180,000 for some people and and bearing in mind there is no um these people some of them are lawyers solicitors mm doctors um you know we've just saved a repossession of a lawyer um with a high street bank um but because of the interest rate they're trying to charge and how they've obtained that book and so these people are intelligent people Mm. they're not just you know they've they've sort of walked into something with their eyes shut um they've landed in this situation because that's where they've been put and that's where they've been sold to and then they're just trapped so do you think part of the problem is that Actually, we've been so obsessed with getting people on the housing ladder, yeah, and getting people into property. And do we? It's it's a joint responsibility, really, from from everyone, is it? There has there has to be a bit of um, buyer beware, and and they have to take you know yeah. really question the advice they're getting, get second opinions, etc. But I think that people have to. Um, I think that we we are in in a in a world of sort of that what people want they have now that yeah. I don't think that that is a reflection on what happened 10 years ago I think that people want security and I think rightly so people want to have own their own home to have that security mm. and also because like I've stated the rental market is so in demand now because people can't get onto to the housing market that the rental market is actually far higher than um getting a mortgage which is bonkers again because if you can afford to pay a thousand pound a month for a rental home um but yet you're you're not being um allowed to have an 800 pound a month mortgage Mm. because of affordability it just doesn't make sense um and you know i think that there needs to be a fairer mortgage market and and all this um selling to vulture funds and and selling to um inactive lenders Mm. it needs to needs to be stopped because Mm. 
there's no fairness there. Um, and I think the whole market needs to work in a lot fairer way. So did I read your behind a legal challenge? Yes. To this? Is that, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so I saw that. I saw that. Well, actually, I read it this morning. Yes. But I think it came out yesterday. Is it? Well, we launched on the 18th of December um, with Harkus Parker, who we've instructed to take on the legal side yeah. now. Um, and so they're looking at um, basically the unfairness, the um, interest rate and how um, what people were paying and are paying mm. compared to what they could be paying if they were not sold on or still with an active lender. So there, there's we're looking at all different sides of an argument. Um, so Harkus Parker have now been instructed and... Um, you know, we've been given a lot of coverage. On the 18th of December, we were on the Victoria Derbyshire show, mm. and we've done me- we've we've done many radio um, radio programs. So I'm not quite Victoria Derbyshire. <laughs> <laughs> Still as lovely, <laughs> uh, and there's no camera, <laughs> so it's even better. But um, but yeah, so it's it's gained a lot of good publicity, um, and also obviously Martin Lewis did a big piece yesterday yeah. on it, um, which has been absolutely fantastic. Because <clears throat> through all this, we want to try and find all those mortgage prisoners that mm. that are sitting there. Some of them, a lot, have got mental health problems because they're they're um, they're very trapped, and that then leads on to other mm. um, debt problems. Um, and we want we want a class action. We want a group action. Mm. And the best way to do that is to get as many people involved as possible. But also because the Facebook group is a really supportive group. There's there's over two thousand people on there, all telling their stories. A lot in the same boat. So people feel less isolated and alone. Mm. Um, and that is a massive thing for people because everyone that comes onto the group, the first thing they usually say is, "Is oh, I thought it was me. I thought mm. I was alone. I didn't realise there was all this out there. Um, and most of them just sort of stumble across an article mm. and something's in it. So um, it's created far more awareness as well. So how can people get in touch with you? If so if to? if people want to if people want to get in touch with us, then you go to UK Mortgage Prisoners on the Facebook group, and also you can join the claim at mortgageprisoners.com, Which if you go onto that link, it will take you straight through mm. to the claim. So you mentioned um, Martin Lewis and uh, so Martin Kirstigood and the whole um, money saving expert team have done some great work on this. I was mm-hmm. proud to be part of a delegation that went up to the Tory party conference yeah. um, with them to actually to raise this issue. Yeah. Have you found that politicians are starting to get their heads around it? Are they happy to help? Is it, is it, is it something they they understand? They're budgeted to help. I don't know. If, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I go far as to say happy, but no, um, when we started this last February, so this time last year, we were at the very beginnings of it. So since then, we've set the APPG Mortgage Prisoners um, Group up in Parliament. Um, we've, we've, I've obviously also been on the implementation group within um, the FCA. Mm-hmm. Um, within Parliament, we've had a debate last year on the 6th of June to raise the, raise the whole mortgage prison, prisoners issue where the likes of Kevin Holland-Rake, mm-hmm. um, Seema Malhorta... Um, at the time, Gordon Marsden, he was another very active role. Um, but the the whole MPs now are starting to get on board. We are still quite 
um, desperate to speak with Sajid Javid. Um, and you, I don't know if you've seen the video on Twitter, but I grabbed him outside a car. <laughs> uh, no, um, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, then. look that up. Um, and he did assure me that he was going to meet with me. John Glenn's um, going to meet with us at the end of the month. But it's it, everything's quite quite long. It takes mm. quite a long time for the wheels to get in motion. So we are... Um, we need to change legislation. We yeah. need we need them to help us with different um, areas of mortgage prisoners, and we need as many MPs on board as possible. So the FCA have put in their proposed new affordability guidelines for yeah. for mortgage prisoners. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what I can say and what I can't, can't say. Well, I, I also work on one of the groups. At yeah. Helping that, um, but do you think that's really going to make a difference i think in in principle it should from what i can see and actually they they really are from what i can see actually trying to trying think, to solve the issue and 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 help yeah the fc the problem is with the fca they've come they've they've as i've said i've worked on the implementation side of that consultation paper the problem is with it i'll put the negatives forward first so They've came out and said already that they think it's only going to help up to 2,000 people mm. of 150,000 people, um, which is a very, very small amount. Um, they won't help people on interest only, and interest only is a very high number um, in the mortgage prisoners. Um, there are um, other areas that that um, it won't help, but I'd like to say that it's a start to where we need to go um Andrew Bailey um and other people within the FCA that I've had continuous conversations with have turned around now and said that they are sort of at the point where government now needs to step in mm. they're doing what they can um but you know <clears throat> the the FCA consultation isn't sort of the smoking gun that that we need it to mm. be there's still so it can go so much mm. further um and that's a bit of an issue mm. at the moment. I think part of the issue, one of the questions from uh, a question on Twitter, Chris on Twitter, who was saying, like, why are lenders so slow to launch a mortgage prisoner products and how can the new lenders protect themselves against possible defaulting payments? I think, from my perspective, you can sort of understand from the lender's point of view, if they've got a an affordability calculation which is much simpler and they're not really getting to the crux of whether the loan in the first instance yeah. was missold or was it um, slightly fraudulent or were there issues that weren't disclosed or um, was it self-certified, etc. Um, they're taking on that risk. So, they so are... where's their protection? You see, they are taking on a risk, but... Also, from a common sense point of view, if a lender is looking at somebody that has never missed a payment, that has had their mortgage for 15 odd years mm. and they're now wanting yeah. to move, and okay, there is, if, if anything, it's more scrutinised than ever compared to 10 years ago. Mm. So if a lender is looking at a consumer and saying, oh, we don't know if we want to lend with you because you've been a part of this mortgage prisoner banner... Um, the the problem is there is then then there's got to be a reason to back that up and a lot of people in our group have never missed a payment have been paying well over the odds have been paying some are paying nearly seven percent mm. of a mortgage now when they go to a broker or um, 
or a bank and they're saying, well, we'd like a mortgage product with you. Um, I see that you're offering 2.9% or mm. whatever. And then they're being turned down. I don't see them as risky because if they've never missed a mortgage payment um, and the fact that they were given a mortgage in a, in a time where everything's changed, then I don't understand why they would be classed as risky mm. because... As a consumer, we've all kept to our side of mm. um, how we pay and what we pay. We're the ones that have actually been um, sort of sold on as a commodity and used to pay back mm. the government, say, the taxpayer. But we're the taxpayer. You know, we are we are taxpayers. So, um, yes, OK, there will be people out there that, that there may be a few people out there that are, are of a risky, that they will call risky. Um, but then that needs to be backed up by common sense because if you've, you know, a credit file will always show you how these people have paid mm. um, and what these people have paid. And if they're asking for less and they've they've already kept to that commitment, mm. then I I can't say that they'd be risky. Yeah, well, hopefully with the with the work that's being done, those are the, the types of people that will be helped. Yeah, um, um, and it's the interest-only people that worry me the most because they're just not being helped. Um, and, and, and at the moment, we've only actually found one building society, which is the Beverly Building Society, that are actually going to adhere to the FCA new rules. We've rang every bank and building society up and not one of them are going to put, put, mm. follow, the, follow the new rules. Um, there's a question from Yvonne on Twitter who said, um, you probably answered this actually, that government rescued the banks and then sold our mortgages onto foreign financial entities who aren't regulated and can't lend. Who is holding the government to account for making us prisoners in the first place of what's being done to prevent it from happening again? Well, we are... Yeah, well, well, we are trying to hold them to account. We're also um, actually looking at calling for, um, well, we're taking legal action, um, not necessarily at the government, but we're taking legal action on how we've been treated unfairly. Um, But we're also asking for a public inquiry. Um, We've brought one debate to Parliament. I'm also looking at trying to bring another um, bill Parliament, which is very similar to something that's being done in Northern Ireland, um, and that's called the Affordability Housing and Fair Mortgage Bill. Right. Um, and I want that brought here, uh, and that basically looks at um, you know how people are treated fairly, um, stopping this high repossession um, issue that's going on, and, and the homelessness that vulture funds because they act it in the way that they act. Mm. Um, so there are definitely. Um, we are definitely trying to hold them and lobby them. Um, so everyone need. that's why we ask everybody to keep contacting their MPs because it's the only way to keep bringing the awareness mm. about what's going on. Um, there's a question for Sharon on Twitter, from Sharon on Twitter as well, and I guess probably not for you, but <laughs> ask the question, would you be prepared to get brokers on board on behalf of the industry to track down the previous clients bring them all together under one group so that we can collectively show support. Now, that's actually quite a difficult question because, as you said, I think in your experience, your broker is no longer around anymore. No. Um, And I guess that would be the case in a lot of instances Mm. where actually the brokers, because we've had this um, uh, massive change in the industry of how many brokers there are yeah i guess the vast majority actually aren't in the industry and the good brokers um they're in contact with their clients anyway because clients are our lifeblood so if we're not contacting them towards the end of their 
rate maturity? What's yeah. what's the point? Well, we've obviously looked at um, we we've we've looked at a way that we could find brokers to then contact the mm. people that they know are mortgage prisoners, even if it's to sort of show them the door to say, look, here's a group or yeah. here's legal action being taken. Um, and, you know, look, look mm. to having campaigns started around that because mm. the problem is, is that the, a broker, although they in the past have been part of the problem, not, not the whole problem, but they've been, the bad ones have been part of the problem. They they could also be a massive stepping stone into helping these mortgage prisoners yeah, totally agree. Um, yeah. that are suffering in silence mm. because they will know what clients they've had. And I know mm. it's probably 10 years ago, but as this mortgage prisoner issue becomes more out into the light, we want the brokers, if they're contacting their broker and saying, look, I'm one of these people, mm. we would want the brokers to say, look, you know, this is a group, this is mm. where they're going, let's try and help you. You know the issues. Mm. Um, and that is that is a campaign that, Monty, you could start. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, start Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I know most brokers now, look, I'm passionate about what we do in our yeah. industry and helping clients. And, and I know from some of the comments I've had and when I've talked to other brokers, everyone wants, we all want to help. Of yeah. course we want to help. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if that's, if that's something brokers can do to where they know that they're mortgage prisoners. I mean, we fight, we fight cases of people all the time who, yeah. you know, they might come back to us or they contact us and, and some of the instances that you've said they they can't get a mortgage because uh, even though it's going to be a lot cheaper for them yeah um and, it, and, I, I and sometimes we have some successes mm. sometimes we don't and yet it, it is it's frustrating, it is frustrating for you as well because you can see it's a common sense element mm. of it as well um and they're the people that when like you say you know we have <clears> these people they we can't help all of them because of the affordability they're they're the people that at that point we want the brokers mm. to say look you are one of these mm. people this is where mm. you can go for support if nothing else um and you know join 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 us because the, the campaigns that are going on are directly to help yeah. um yeah it's about helping the right people because the new affordability rules are brought in yeah. for a reason yeah and that's to make sure that we don't um get ourselves into a mess and stress testing is to make sure that people can afford it not just now but also in the future, in the future. so it, it's about Keeping the current status quo. Actually, there's a really good question from um, Sebastian on Twitter, who uh, who he'll probably be surprised. I've said that he asked a really good question, um, <laughs> but he does. <laughs> uh, do you think the new regulatory framework was worthwhile, bearing in mind the cost to those that fell outside of the rules? So that's a really interesting question, and the unintended consequences of we had to get this right because mm. it was so wrong and it was so broken and people were borrowing above their means and they weren't advised correctly and the mortgage market review came in and was, a, in my view, a really good piece of work that made proper advice the centrepiece mm -hmm. and that made sure that people really could afford what they were getting, not just now but also in the future. But the unintended consequence of that was people like yourself. Yeah. 
and probably to go back, I'd probably go actually back with the question because it it would be, well, what is acceptable for a client to be on a different level through no fault of their own? Mm. Um, and, you know, isn't that why part of the whole problem and the reason why we're having these conversations is to make sure that all the customers are treated fairly and that is a really, um, you know, that, that word fairly, it, it's a motive because, um, you know, there's people that are on 6% and then their friends are on 3%. Mm. Um, I know that there's people that um, can get a mortgage on a four-bedroomed house that are paying less than somebody in a one-bed flat. Um, and that, to me, it, it's not fair. Um, and they're the downsides, I think, to what, um, you know, mm. where it's gone wrong and... Well, hopefully, we're at least in the. Uh, it's it's something that you guys have brought to everyone's attention. Yes, and everyone's focused on it, and hopefully, there will be some yeah. some help coming in the future. I think it's because it is so emotive. Some of the Twitter debates that I've seen, I would say actually, people need to. I know it's emotive. I know it's personal, but some mm. people are asking some really legitimate, questions. difficult questions. Mm. And that causes anger, but they're just trying to understand. Yeah, why, I think the problem is with this has occurred. Yeah, and I think the problem is with Twitter. Um, it's a great beacon for things, but also um, when you read something, sometimes things come across in the in the wrong context. Yeah, but also um, there is a massive misunderstanding around mortgage prisoners, and some industry, some of the industry nowhere near all of it but some of it um, pockets of it blame the consumer mm. um, but they're blaming the consumer for the here and now and what they're complaining about now but it's not about the here and now we have to go back to the start and say we all signed up with a high street lender we were sold on to a, to, to a group um, an inactive um, lender vulture fund that we have no um, say over and that's why people feel so downbeaten and so unfair and then if somebody on Twitter comes in and says wow you should have known this or you should have known that but we weren't with we weren't in this 10 years ago we've been put here and that's that's mm. I think where it gets all you know yeah. people get all yeah. like that so yeah I know I understand it it can become quite um emotive yeah. and strong language but um this is part of what we're doing now we have to we have to become more informative and we have to make people understand yeah um so is the last I've massively overrun probably <laughs> I don't even know where we got to I've lost track of time actually um is, is there any positive note you can end on um positive note is is that I think that we have um come together we've highlighted the situation we are hopefully gonna if nothing else we can try and stop this continuing to happen in the future. We can raise awareness and we can hopefully those that, that you know, do uh, are entitled to it and should have it get compensation. Um, and if nothing else, and I think that we are raising awareness for the government to understand how not to sell mortgages. Thank you very much for Thank your time. You. I appreciate you coming down. Thank and, you very uh, much. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's an important subject. Yeah. Thank um, you. So, thank you to my guest, Rachel Neal. And um, of course, thank you all for listening.
We'll be back next month. And if you've got any comments or questions in the meantime to put to either myself or our guests, you can contact me at Monty's blog. Until next time, this is The Mortgage Show signing off.